Persona, the mask we hold up to the world. Need a job? Trying to make new friends? Want a date? Well, guess what? You're probably going to need a persona, and more importantly, one that works. Everything from putting on a suit to buying a new pair of shoes or adjusting your body language and tone of voice. Today, we talk with Natalie, a therapist out of San Francisco. Together, we discuss the various aspects and functions of the persona. What happens if we over-identify with our persona? How does our overall growth and development contribute to the personas that we adopt? How do personas figure into things like group identity and cults? How do persona, which is by definition a surface level thing, actually facilitate something deep like connection or a sense of community among your peers? Lastly, for everyone's edification, I should say that all persons mentioned, discussed, or otherwise teased in this episode have granted me full permission to use their names or at least refer to them in a tacit, passive-aggressive manner. My name is Benjamin Russick, licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is my podcast, Look, Just Tell Me What to Do. So today I'm here with Miss Natalie, and we are talking about... Personas. Personas. And who cares about a persona anyway? Do you care about a persona? Everyone cares about personas. I don't think they do. Maybe they should. Maybe they will. So what's your understanding of a persona? Yeah. So I think that there's there's something that we show to the world. It's the thing that's on the outside, the thing that other people see. Say that we're waking up in the morning, brushing our teeth, getting ready to kind of start the day, and we're with ourselves. That part is not the persona, the part that we kind of have privately to ourselves. But then as soon as we interact with someone, there's that mask or that the part that other people see, the part that we present to others. Exactly. And so I come from the Jungian school of thought, which is all about dividing the human personality into three basic parts, which is the persona, the ego, and the self, or the unconscious. Uh, the words self and unconscious are somewhat interchangeable, but that's a whole other story. And the persona is kind of the mask, the outside that you present to the world, You're the suit that you wear to work, the bling that you wear on a date, uh, whatever it is, while the ego is your everyday walk around conscious self that has hopes and dreams and wants things and gets disappointed. And so a classic example of somebody with an ego wound who's somebody who's really narcissistic, who may have suffered as a child, maybe they had parental neglect or something like that. And they have this really big ego wound where they want to get everyone's approval. So they become a narcissist. And what happens is, is that there's this process called externalization where people, because they don't have access to their own self or their unconscious, externalize their wounding to try to experience healing by saying putting other people down so you you've heard of the consummate one-upper you know someone who just can't help themselves like they'd argue with a stop mm-hmm. sign essentially or you could tell them the sky is blue and they'd say well actually <laughs> and so that's a that's a classic and it's really it's so subtle too because they can't help themselves they do it constantly so they're always looking for outside means of healing themselves and in Jungian psychology, the idea is that you help patients look within to solve their wounding uh, instead of looking without. So other examples of externalization could include drug use, domestic violence, self-harm of any kind, picking fights with people, any neurotic kind of neurotic behavior that you can think of actually in the world is all related to people trying to resolve their own ego wounds instead of looking inside themselves 
to heal that. Now, persona is interesting thing because it's even sort of more surface level than ego. If someone is totally identified with their ego, that's one problem. If they're but if they're totally identified with their persona, it's a huge problem because then you get stuff like you know in the fashion industry where people are just a mess because the idea there more or less is that if you're beautiful and you weigh you know five pounds, you're amazing and you're a good person, which is just not sustainable. And so in this day and age, we get really, really caught up with persona, how we look, how we behave, how we are perceived. It's very surface level and it's very fleeting and it's not satisfying, but it's also necessary because you need to have a persona which works. You need to be able to dress up for a job or for a date. It's important to have that, but the problems come in when people over-identify with that part of their personality and then they become kind of lame. So that's kind of in a nutshell what this is about. And I guess today, what are we talking about in terms of persona? What are we going to get into? Uh, maybe some examples from our mm-hmm. own lives and also what we see in other people and, that we work with or other examples to try to see how this might be useful for right. anyone who's listening. Right. So let's just start with you. What kind of personas do you wear and what are they good for in your life? So Ben, you were the one to actually point out this topic saying that I have a really Uh strong persona. So I'm actually trying to not wear that as strongly right now. I'm just kind of noticing in the moment. The persona that I grew up with, and I think the reason why I had this persona, I would say maybe like the bubbly, happy-go-lucky, kind of good girl Mm -hmm. child growing up was because it really, really worked. I was the only child before I was, until I was seven Mm -hmm. years old. I was the only child or grandchild in my whole family. And I come from a family of four Holocaust surviving grandparents. And so this was a really big deal to have like a new baby, a first grandchild uh, in the family. My parents waited about like 10 or 12 years before they had me. And so it felt like there was something really premeditated or maybe unconsciously I kind of knew that there was something premeditated about my arrival and that I had a job to do in a sense. And this job is not, it's not a bad job, but I think that the job was really to show up with full energy, to have a lot of spunk and happiness and to bring joy that I was going to be a kind of like a, you know, successful child or baby in a way. And I don't know if I picked up on that. I also was lucky enough to be, you know, very loved and kind of the center of attention. So I don't know where that started. So I think that there was something of being the life of the party, being Mm -hmm. extroverted, being kind of dancing around. So that was my first seven years. And then I have two adopted siblings who came into our lives when I was seven years old. That kind of rocked Mm -hmm. my world. Now I had to share my family with two other siblings. And that was a transition time. There was a thing where I think that I switched from being this really like happy-go-lucky, perky child to the the validation I got was to, from being mach, quote unquote mature. So I was the mm-hmm. mature one. So if I could be like a mini adult, that was really validated. So I think that that really worked. That was, I would say, seven years old until maybe mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. even being a mature, yeah. a mature one, whether or not that was true, because <laughs> it, it definitely yeah. wasn't true in a lot of ways i actually see both of those in you you know i've always i've always felt like you know you had a kind of an aura of like competence about you and like you could do anything (laughs) you are very competent but it is kind of funny like when you when i see you get a little bit confused for instance we had a you know 10 minutes before this some confusion with some of the technology which is understandable of course but it's kind of it's always surprises me whenever i see you kind of go hmm i'm not sure how to do this like can't talia do anything (laughs) uh so you 
you do definitely carry that. And then you also do carry that happy-go-lucky, perky, I guess I would describe it as almost sort of bouncy Disney, like everything's happy. Have you seen the Lego movie? I have not. So there's this song. It's actually pretty good. The Lego movie called Everything is Awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, it really kind of reminds me of that song a little bit. Like, <laughs> everything is awesome. It's like when I show up to one of your parties or I see you, you're just like, oh my God, how are you doing? And your eyes get really big and your hair is everywhere and you're kind of, you know, you're fingernails are perfectly manicured and you're just, your teeth are perfect and like you're just, just sort of just this like I feel like the whole world is is a good place because Talia has arrived Aww. and uh, you kind of light up the room. So I would definitely say that those are personas. What's it like wearing those personas? Is it is it exhausting ever to keep that up? No, I don't think it's mm-hmm. exhausting. I think that when I'm in that place, I usually really feel it very uh-huh. viscerally. Like if you're going to come to my party, I'm genuinely super Uh happy that you're there. I think I used to do that a little bit more where I was really excited. So I kind of brought that thing of like, oh my God, how are you? Without kind of realizing, hey, like someone is probably or someone else is may or may not Mm -hmm. be in that place and probably Mm -hmm. is not in that place. I think that's something in the past few years, a little bit more, um, being a little bit more mindful of like, where might someone else be? Because I notice it when people do that to me, if they greet me in that way. And if I'm not feeling at my best, it can almost feel like, oh, I kind of feel some pressure to show up in that same way. But when I'm in that mood, I love to host. I find this as well, like romantically, like in a relationship or when I'm dating that I kind of show that glittery side of myself comes Mm -hmm. out very natural and it feels really good, but that's not always sustained. I'm not always Mm -hmm. in that place. Mm -hmm. What do you think shows up when you're not wearing your persona? Who do we meet? Um, I think it's a really a lot quieter person. I get really contemplative. Mm -hmm. I can remember growing up going on family trips i would oftentimes like put my headphones on to listen to some music with my mm-hmm. walkman and looking out the window and i get this too like as an adult when i travel kind of looking out the window seeing the scenery almost like there can be a uh, almost like a melancholy uh-huh. feeling deep in thought almost going to more negative right. places with myself inside what what are your some of your fears around showing that to people because a lot of times what personas also do is even though they're a great way of managing reality and managing interactions, which I'm fully in support of, because I think it's very important. Um, my old therapist said that it's very important to have a persona that works. What would it be like mm-hmm. to be that way around people? When do you find yourself being your kind of non-persona self around people? When I really don't feel like I have to impress someone. Ah. When I know that I'm going to be fully accepted. So I have a few people Mm -hmm. in my life that I can be that way with. I would say my best friend. I think with you, Ben, I think there's a way where because you're so real and if I'm feeling something else besides that sparkly place that I get into, I feel like I can be that way too. It's not going to be like, whoa, like Mm -hmm. what's happening? It's almost like joining with someone else who I know feels things deeply and experiences things deeply mm-hmm. or even darkly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at times. Yeah, we the funny thing about persona it's it's a highly convenient tool, you know. You know, it's funny I I struggle with with dating a bit as as many of you know. It's very interesting when I'm on a date and I can feel myself kind of shutting down 
because I don't have a persona that's that works. I see and I hear a lot of women saying, well, I don't feel like I'm connecting with you. And it's like, I don't have a persona. I don't have a way of being that works. Yet conversely, a lot of these women that I go on dates with are saying, I want the guy to be really authentic and be himself. But really what they're saying is, is that I want a persona that works. I want the guy to put on a show that works because I just don't buy the fact that, that somebody who just meets you really wants to see your true self all, all, most of the time. I think they really they do want to show. And I think that's why a lot of people are so surprised. Like, oh, I thought he was this, or I thought she was this, or I thought she was that. And she just seems so real or so authentic or so whatever they thought. Now, like two weeks later, or a month later, they're just so different. What happened? You know, And it's because they're not putting on that persona. I'm convinced of it anyway. Mm. I think what really kind of makes me gag the most is when somebody's being kind of faux authentic you know and they're just sort of mm-hmm. putting out this vibe like yes i really see you and i understand you and they're they they're really they got their hand on their chin and they're nodding and they're like making really deep eye contact like yes 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 we're connecting it's like you're so full of shit <laughs> you know you're just so full of shit shut up and you can see it from across the street look look there's a douchebag on a date there he is right there i can see it so i guess what i'm talking about that's when someone says that that person is fake when they're kind of donning a persona that's sort of doing too much or really, really out of sync with who they are. I think that's what a f- what fake is, is when the persona is really out of sync with their ego. I think that it's not a stretch for you to sound competent and it's not a stretch for you to be cheery and kind of happy, even though you have a kind of a quiet side. There's something about you that's very introspective and very intelligent. It's not a very big leap to go from happy, shiny Talia to like quiet, contemplative Talia. They're in harmony, I feel like. And I think it's interesting to watch the disharmony when someone is just really putting on a show and you're like oh my god do you have any experience with that of people putting on a show it's just sort of sickening yeah for sure i've seen that and experienced that and i think the reason why it bothers me so much is because it reminds me of a past version of myself that was a little bit more disconnected as you've been sharing just now i think that there's something interesting i think vulnerability i know that's a really overused word but yeah, it is. i'll go for it yeah it's just to, just to annoy you ben i like to be annoyed being vulnerable what i mean by that is sharing parts of ourselves that we're not sure if that's going to be a desirable part mm-hmm. to share with someone if i take the risk of sharing a part of myself that i don't know how the other person mm-hmm. will respond that's like mm-hmm. taking a chance a social chance. I've been taking more of those lately. Like you said, it's interesting when we can consolidate how we present to other people and then also how we really feel about ourselves. So I think like, for example, let's go back to your date. So if you feel like on a date, you start to shut down, it could be really interesting to say something like, you know, can I share something with you that's a little private and I'm not sure how it's going to come across, but I think it might Mm -hmm. be kind of interesting. And of course, she's going to be like, yeah, of course. And so, you know, I feel like if I'm going to be really real with you, that a part of me is sh- shutting mm-hmm. down a little bit and I'm not really sure mm-hmm. why maybe we can talk about it or I am sure why. And I think it's because of ABCD. Yeah, I've tried that. It sometimes works. Uh, I, I have found I've been on dates where, you know, women really do appreciate the quote unquote vulnerability piece. But then again, I've also seen men do that and sort of pretend to be vulnerable. You know, they actually like, if you study um, the game of pickup or dating, uh-huh. they'll say, okay, it's women really like it when you're vulnerable. So pick a topic to be vulnerable about. <laughs> <laughs> 
Can you think of a time from your own life when you caught yourself trying to put on too much of a show? Yeah, absolutely. I spent like a lot of years in high school and college, like going to different parties and thinking that being perky and being upbeat was something that people Mm -hmm. wanted to see. I used to worry that I'd get feedback that I was being fake, but I didn't feel at that time that I was being fake. I felt like, oh, I'm genuinely trying hard to connect Mm -hmm. with people. But in retrospect, I really wasn't Mm -hmm. connecting with people. It wasn't fake in the sense that I didn't Mm -hmm. care about people, but it was fake in the sense that there was so much more going on Uh below the surface and I wasn't really attuning to other people. So now I'm sensitive when I see that with other people that almost like, yeah, like you said, it's like kind of like Disney characterish. Is it safe to say that persona is not functioning when connection starts to break down? Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a good cool. way of putting it. Can you think of a time in your own life, like on a, I guess I keep coming back to dating because both of us have done uh, probably way too much of it <laughs> or a job interview or, or some instance when you felt someone else was just it kind of, you get that sick feeling and something like, oh God, stop. Like going on a date with somebody where he is talking about his accomplishments. He really wants uh-huh. me to know like, oh, you know, I was so generous. It's like when you hear these, these, like, these like compliments that you have to yourself, like, oh, I was really generous or, you know, I'm a really humble person. People say that? Yeah. Wow. For sure. Wow. That's a red flag. Have you ever called someone out for being a fake douchebag on a date? No. Never. I've given people shit. Okay. I'm good at kind of taking people down from their pedestal in a joking way, but not in a serious way. You know what's interesting is the word tease. uh, I believe it's a French Mm -hmm. word. It means to stab someone with a sword. (laughs) Oh, that sounds like a lovely experience. And so teasing even though you you're teasing somebody you're you're actually like that's a persona thing in a way because it's covered up as something pretty and nice and sweet but really it's like it's got an edge in it there can also be teasing where it's like loving uh-huh. teasing with someone that you like a good friend you kind of like know that this is something about them but you actually really love mm-hmm. this thing about them and so you kind of point it out lovingly i think that that's a very different thing or there can be flirtatious mm-hmm. teasing say someone really likes that there's someone who's they're going out mm-hmm. with someone who's cocky. So they might point mm-hmm. out that they're cocky, but it might be almost with some sort of like affection. But there's still something in it. You know, there's still like a, hey, pay attention to this. This is part of you that's kind of, even though it's, I kind of like it, you still should check it out. Right. Or it could also be kind of a strategy to, to be like, hey, like you should really change right. this about yourself. And this is an interesting, and that in itself is, is sort of like one step removed from being totally authentic and being, well, persona-y. Mm-hmm. It's not really a word, or persona based, I suppose would be the way to say it. Is there anybody in your life right now who has an abundance, overabundance of persona that you'd like to call out publicly and on the internet? <laughs> Ooh. Oh, wow. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through my, your, your contacts? Uh, my contacts in my brain. I'm going to just, I'm just going to get out my phone and scroll through right now. Let's look. Let's see. Let's yeah, see me who too, has actually. Let's, see here. let's use our platform to, to hurt other yeah, people's feelings. Let me go through my favorites. Yeah, you know, I think I think the people that I would call out would be, it would almost be like, I guess part of me doesn't, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is my persona too. I don't want to be mean mm-hmm. to people out, you know, publicly. Like I can be mean to them in my head, but <laughs> I think I don't keep around people with obvious personas, but there's kind of some sneaky personas that come through in the way where they want they want or expect a certain uh-huh. thing from me and the relationship is loving towards me because i'm fulfilling something that they expect right. of me 
persona of like love and mm -hmm. care is uh -huh. conditional. But if I didn't fulfill that, then there wouldn't be that loving persona. We, we got to get, we gotta get concrete here, relates. Talia. It's too abstract. I'm calling yeah. you out for being too abstract. <laughs> I, need, I need names Good and job. faces. I need addresses. I need social I need security all. numbers. I need, I, need, I need the whole thing. I've got a patient who struggles with being too shiny and happy all the time and pays for it in, in a way because they don't get to communicate authentically what they really are worried about. Everyone around them thinks they're awesome, but they're struggling because they're not actually able to express themselves. What would be an example of how they struggle? Well, like their bosses or their coworkers might not know that they're dissatisfied with a certain aspect of their job. Or they might not communicate something clearly with the person that they're uh, in a relationship with. So that person doesn't know that their needs aren't being met. Um, all sorts of stuff. My good friend, Andy, he's a uh, part of his persona is sort of the, the techie uh, intellectual. And um, mm -hmm. if he's had too much to drink, <laughs> if someone comes around who kind of challenges him in that area, he'll just go after them <laughs> and test them make sure that they know what they're mm -hmm. talking about because mm -hmm. he's kind of a prick. I love him, but he's kind of a prick because it's kind of like, it's almost like it's his territory, like mine. And then I got my own mother. She doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> She'll say anything to anybody. Yeah. 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 No persona issues with her. God love her. And uh, what about your dad? Well, he's dead. So he has no persona issues at the moment. But when he was, when he was alive, uh -huh. no, he was just sort of, he really wanted to be admired by people, I think. But I honestly, he, I don't think he had the wherewithal to put together a really good persona. I mean, he, you know, he was a psychiatrist and he would, you know, he dressed the part and he had an office and all that thing, but it was just, you could see right through it. He just wasn't that professionally put together. <laughs> You know, it was a very mm -hmm. thin persona, a very thin professional persona. And as a result, I've in my career, I've actually struggled with maintaining a strong professional persona, which is appropriate because I'm pretty sure my dad didn't. And also my own therapist really didn't. He would wear, you know, like sandals. And I remember once he showed up to the front door wearing a, in his bathrobe and we just did the session and, and he wore his bathrobe during the session, you know, <laughs> talk about no persona. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, and then I have to also watch myself around certain patients that I've had for a long time who are uh, very used to me. And so I have to like, okay, I can dress the part, even though I know they don't give it, they don't give a shit. I can just show up wearing sweatpants and slippers. I don't do that. of course. Though there are certain patients where I'll like get mostly dressed up and I'll just wear my, my house slippers in the, in the session. Cause I just didn't feel like putting on my shoes and I'm like, maybe I shouldn't do that, mm -hmm. you know, cause it's, it's just a bad habit. I think. I did worry that when I moved out of my office in the marina, just started seeing people out of my apartment, that would have a big effect because the, the office itself is a persona statement. It's like, I'm professional. It sends a message, right? I've got, you know, you come mm -hmm. in, you punch in a code. It looks all important. I look all official. And now it's like, okay, just show up on this alley on Elm Street and I'll come down and let you in the gate. <laughs> it's just not as professional looking. Right. It just isn't. And I think also persona is sort of suffering with all this Zoom stuff happening with the COVID. We don't have to really work on our persona. People expect to see your cat or your dog running around and meowing and or barking and your kid pulling on your sleeve and saying, you know, mom or dad, I got a such and such. Oh, honey, not now. And so there's this whole <laughs> persona stuff is is sort of suffering in a way, or maybe maybe it's good. I don't know. I'm curious what you think having a persona or not having a persona or not leading with a persona, how does that impact the soul and also human connection? 
Well, I think that having a persona can increase connection because it makes the other person feel safe. So if you went into a job interview and the guy showed up naked, <laughs> you wouldn't feel very safe. Or let's say he showed up wearing, you know, mm -hmm. sweatpants and or she and their hair wasn't combed, they look kind of messy. You'd be like this you'd think this isn't a real interview. This is this isn't this isn't the thing. And the same thing would go for a date. The same thing would go for meeting somebody in public. What persona can do is it can make people feel safe and it can send it sends a message. This is what kind of interaction this is. If you go to a cocktail party, there's a certain way you're supposed to dress, you know, cocktail dress, suit and tie and all that stuff. And it's sort of like we're all cohesive. And so it actually increases connection, but it increases connection in a funny way. It increases connection in terms of what the group identity is. I think a strong persona can increase connection on a group identity level. Hey, I'm part of this club. We're doing this thing together. We're safe. We're cohesive. We're harmonious. But it decreases individuation, individualism. I guess is a better way of putting it. So I was reading about this in um, a book by uh, Edinger, a Jungian philosopher, and he was talking about identity and group identity. And he said, imagine there's two forms of group identity. One is draw a circle and along the line of the circle, you draw other circles, kind of like a pearl necklace. In those circles, if one person deviates from the group identity, they break the circle and they're kicked out of the circle. They're kicked out of the group, right? Because everybody mm -hmm. is sort of connected by this sort of singular idea. And as a result, they're highly cohesive. They get along really, really well. But if one person deviates, they're out. So that's kind of the dark, the shadowy aspect of that. Another, I you know a good example of that would be, say, a cult or a you know a hardcore political group or you know a group of friends who are all pride themselves on being you know vegans or on being well white nationalists, whatever philosophy they have that's kind of acute and intense. And if you are in the group, you are amazing, and oh my god, I love you forever. And I think people sometimes get high off of it in a way. It's like very alluring. That's why you have cults form because it's like you suddenly have this illusion of really really intense connection. And then the other form of group identity is a circle with circles surrounding it and little lines, uh, almost like they're hanging off the circle. Instead of a pearl necklace, it would be more like a necklace with beads hanging below the string. And in that sense, mm -hmm. those people mm -hmm. are totally individuated and on their own individual journey. And so their individual journey and their ideas are not necessarily contingent upon group cohesion. The groups aren't as tightly wound, but the people in them have healthier self-identities and are able to have their own opinions and ideas and whatnot. So I think that persona hurts the soul or hurts the individual when it becomes overly identified with who you actually are and what we actually think. There's this expression called putting on the agony. It's an old school term, and it was, it's usually used by people who have a perception that they are of lower class, and they'll dress really, really fancy, and they'll try to look, they'll all, they'll all act as if they're wealthy, well-to-do human beings, instead of just letting their hair down and acting like they, who they really are, right? Putting on the agony. And that mm -hmm. is a, a great example of, I think, persona being really destructive. But it's something like Halloween, where everybody is literally putting on a costume, everybody kind of knows it's a joke and they're having fun with it. I think right. that like in a job interview, on a date, out in the street, wherever you're doing, whenever you're doing a persona thing, I think two people with good, with strong personas and an understanding that they have that they're 
projecting a persona are able to put it aside very very quickly and say let's just let's just throw that in the corner i've been in job interviews where you know after 15 minutes we kind of let our hair down like oh like we're just regular people to have any conversation we don't need to do all this we can start we start cussing a little bit you know and you know how it is when the, mm-hmm. the, it kind of the wall comes down right so i think that an unhealthy persona is something right. that's sustained past its expiration date right you know have you ever seen that like classic carl salesman with like the botoxed face and he's like always smiling with his big white teeth yeah. and like, how you doing? And he's like, he never stops doing that. And you just like, get away from me. You're sick. Right. That person's soul is suffering. Even though they might be great <laughs> at selling cars and all the other car salesmen might think, wow, that guy's really a team player. He's a really, yeah, yeah he's, he's a go-getter. At the same time, he, in the end of the day, fails to connect. At the end of the day, right. the really the best salesman are the one who can put that shit aside and just connect on a much more authentic level with people. I think what I'm hearing is that are ways that the persona mm-hmm. can be harmful and how letting down that mask or mm-hmm. that wall actually is a positive thing mm-hmm. towards connection. But I'm also hearing that if we kind of need some sort of structure in society to kind of understand like, what is this kind of yes. connection? What, what's the Absolutely. format of this relationship? Yeah, it's interesting with my clients, for thera- mm-hmm. my therapy clients, you know, I had, a, I had a, a new person come in uh, mm-hmm. on Friday. First sessions are so amazing how the persona drops within maybe less than a minute. And someone mm-hmm. that you don't know, less than a minute ago is crying and like spilling yeah. out their soul because I guess that's the context. You know, we're, you know, as therapists, hopefully we, you know, we set a safe context for someone to show what's underneath. And also hopefully we're not there for our clients to impress us, even though that happens too clients do try to impress us so natalie thank you so much that was really cool did you have a good time uh you know i'll I'll get back to you on that one that's that's not very nice yeah well um this is my persona of sarcasm ben but it's not working natalie it makes it makes me want to hurt you Oh, I'm not worried about you. I know you're a black belt, but I'm not worried about you. This isn't helping community at all. This is terrible. That's okay. I think you like it. I think I think you like it. I, I enjoy the pain. It's true. That and is you, true. And, On and many you, levels. And you bring the pain, and I and I appreciate yes. that about you. Um, and you have your own podcast coming out soon. What's it called? Relationship University. What the heck is that about? Besides the patently obvious. <laughs> It is a podcast all about relationships, not just the romantic ones, relationships to dating, relationships to our friends and our family and to our jobs, and also our relationship with ourselves Excellent. and our personas. Fantastic. And and it comes out in March of 2021? Correct. Okay. And you're going to release a bunch of episodes all at once, correct? Correct. Season one, it will have 10 episodes. That's fantastic. All right. Wow. I can't wait. So I'm going to put that on blast once it gets in there. And uh, I look forward to it. Anyway, thank you so much. And uh, let's talk again soon. You're so welcome, Ben. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening. Pertinent information stemming from this episode will be available in the program notes. Should you have any questions or wish to be a guest on my show, you may contact me at benjaminrusick at gmail.com or go to my website at benjaminrusick.com. In addition, I really, really encourage you to subscribe, share, and all the rest. Thanks again. And remember, if you ever find that your plate is full, well, consider getting a bigger plate.